Tell me if you've heard this one, sojourners. There was once a sweet little maid, much beloved by everybody, but most of all by her grandmother, who never knew how to make enough of her. Once she sent her a little riding hood of red velvet, and as it was very becoming to her, and she never wore anything else, people called her Little Red Riding Hood. One day her mother said to her, Come, Little Red Riding Hood, here are some cakes and a flask of wine for you to take to grandmother. She is weak and ill, and they will do her good. Make haste, and start before it grows hot, and walk properly and nicely, and don't run, or you might fall and break the flask of wine, and there would be none left for grandmother. I will be sure to take care, said Little Red Riding Hood to her mother. Now the grandmother lived away in the wood, half an hour's walk from the village, and when Little Red Riding Hood had reached the wood, she met the wolf, but as she did not know what a bad sort of animal he was, she did not feel frightened. Good day, Little Red Riding Hood, said he. Thank you kindly, wolf, answered she. Where are you going so early, Little Red Riding Hood? To my grandmother's. What are you carrying under your apron? Cakes and wine. We baked yesterday, and my grandmother is very weak and ill, so they will do her good and strengthen her. Where does your grandmother live, Little Red Riding Hood? A quarter of an hour's walk from here. Her house stands beneath three oak trees, and you may know it by the hazel bushes, said Little Red Riding Hood. The wolf thought to himself, That tender young thing would be a delicious morsel and would taste better than the old one. I must manage somehow to get both of them. This is Gothic. Good evening, sojourners. It's Halloween week, and spooky times are upon us. Oh, and they have been for a while. But, hey, this is the good kind of spooky this week, and we have something special coming up for you later on on Halloween night itself. You can join us over on Twitch, either at The Gothic Podcast or at Churro Yeti, where we'll be mirroring. And uh, you can watch our pre-recorded, because we're not that good, (laughs) pre-recorded Halloween special, (laughs) us playing Ten Candles, a game of tragic horror. And I got to tell you, it was pretty spooky, and I I think you'll enjoy it. But we're going to... We're actually going to be there in the chat rooms on and off to um, answer questions or just hang out and uh, make fun of ourselves on camera. So uh, join us Halloween night. Uh, It will be streaming at uh, sunset Pacific Standard Time. That's going to be 6 p.m. So we'll see you then. Uh, Meanwhile, you can also find us pretty much uh, on all the social medias uh, as The Gothic Podcast except on Twitter, where we're Gothic Podcast, <laughs> and over at YouTube, where you just have to do a search for the Gothic Podcast, because our actual channel name is a whole bunch of random numbers and letters, uh, because I haven't paid for that yet. <laughs> uh, but we also do have a Patreon, and you can find us there at the Gothic Podcast, too. 
We uh, haven't had a whole lot of um, things going on over there other than just you being able to uh, support us um, through donating to our Patreon. But we are soon going to have some Kids on Bikes episode and um, hopefully along the way a few other bits and pieces that we'll throw up there on the, uh, on the Patreon page. But certainly we appreciate your patronage in whatever way you can, Sojourner. But tonight uh, we're here uh, with the cast. Uh, we've got uh, Sharon and Jesse and Nathan and myself, uh, C. Patrick. And we are here, and we're going to do a little retrospective of Season 1. So if you haven't listened to all of Season 1, um, I recommend you finish that before you listen to this retrospective, because there yeah. will be spoilers. spoilers. So many spoilers. So many. Have been warned. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Hello. Happy Halloween week. <laughs> Halloween? Can we say that? Is Halloween. that Halloween. 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 <laughs> That's probably actually a thing. It probably is. <laughs> well, season one, it's in the can. How does it feel? Uh, crazy. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, kind of miss it already. No, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> January to um to October. Yeah, I kind of like. I felt like we uh we we triggered the finale a little bit earlier than I expected we were going to. So it felt like it like came very suddenly. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Yeah. There were there uh, were times like a couple episodes back where I thought maybe it seemed like it was going to go for a few more episodes, but then all of a sudden just everything just started slamming together. Right. Right. True. Like there was like one more episode and I was like, oh my goodness, we're in the finale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, what I thought too. I mean, I think I'd actually even told you guys that oh, yeah, you uh, we us. had a couple of oh, episodes yeah, yeah. Right. left, but it's monster of the week. And you know, you just don't know if you yeah. if you guys had had started questioning in the contemporary now. If you'd started questioning the other guests and getting into some of their backstories, then that could have been a whole nother episode before you ever got to go into the library. If, yeah. Uh, if if uh, Jacob hadn't uh, freaked out about the um, sound coming through the speakers that Doctor Grace had triggered, then he wouldn't have necessarily have gone into Lazarus Kane's office and found the book. Oh yeah, um, sure. I mean there was just all sorts of things that that wouldn't wouldn't necessarily have triggered the end game in that episode. Right. Yeah, I, one thing that you did tell us was that there was like, you know, it sounded like maybe a series of things we could do to trigger the finale, but um, we had no way of knowing what those were, and we just stumbled into it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> There was a couple of things that had to happen. You had to find the book. Yeah. And right. then you had to go to the library. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was really it. So as soon as you had those two things in play, then, then it was going to go like it went. Mm. Yeah. It, imagine if we had, um, you know, do you remember that episode where we were like across the lake, like all staring at the house with like binoculars or whatever? Like what <laughs> if instead we had just charged across and like gone directly to the library? Like that would have been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like right as soon as we got the tickets for the house, when yeah, uh, Deputy like Bueller showed up, just yeah. walked right around and went, went right in the door. Here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh man, that was yeah. I was get, I was so like nervous that last episode too because so many things had to fit together correctly in order to make it all happen. 
and mm-hmm. I mean for it to for it to pull together to be a comprehensive story. And that was that was kind of the problem all along with using mo- something like Monster of the Week or any of the Powered by the Apocalypse uh, games for this podcast because we're trying to tell a cohesive, comprehensive story along with playing the game. And we are playing the game to find out what happens, mm-hmm. but we're also trying to be entertaining. We're trying to we're trying to give our listeners, you know, the story they came here to get. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So so what are your thoughts on how it all wrapped up? Um uh, I mean, obviously things aren't over over yet, but a lot of the big mysteries have now been revealed. Yeah. I still yeah, have a few um, things up my sleeve. So so I'll I'll say um I uh, I enjoyed kind of like the progression of how everything went on. It's crazy to think that though we have played between January and October in the contemporary now, there was like how many days? Two days that passed? Oh, I think less than that. I think it was like less? a day and a half because we and, met uh, about like, a day and a half. <laughs> we met at like 10 p.m. and then the next day everything else happened. Yeah, for like God, you guys, so- but. LJ had like a That's whole like, two for, extra days. Except LJ. And, <laughs> and 50 see, years. <laughs> right? No, and see, that's a, a big thing that's been on my mind since the uh, season finale is I have been questioning whether or not LJ actually went to the path or not. And it was kind of tied in what I, with what I thought was like the big reveal. Like I thought there was going to be some time traveling shenanigans. But no, I'm not 100% sure that LJ just wasn't having a psychotic episode. So, I don't know. That, you know, that might actually explain why, because he didn't just go to the 50s. He lived the same day, like, three different times. Had, like, a Groundhog Day experience. Yeah, exactly. That that would make maybe a little more sense than a straightforward uh, being time-shifted um, kind of experience. Although, I, yeah, I also, I mean, I also thought it, at some point, I was like, okay, we're playing these two very different time periods. Uh, LJ has time traveled. Maybe that's going to be part of what, yeah, exactly. I was definitely, uh, by that point, thinking that you guys would be thinking time travel for the whole, for the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, or for the whole show. And that, indeed, the, the um, listeners would also be thinking time travel at that point. I think, Nathan, at one point you said off screen that you thought that it was going to be like the generations, like descendants. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Of- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought time was going to play into it um, a, a bit more than it was. That was kind of what I was putting my bet on. But I was proven wrong, which I enjoy being proven wrong. So that was, that was fun, right. subverting <laughs> expectations. Yeah, and I kind of, I, I really do hope that uh, in that final episode, I know that a couple of you at least have now listened to it again, that uh, it it comes across as to, you know, what has happened, which is there's now, a, the continuity is, even though the podcast started with the Gothic then characters, that actually, chronologically. Um, if you were to make it chronologically, yeah. starts in the middle of the events of the podcast. Mm. So, and if you do assume that uh, that Jesse's LJ went back into time, then the chronology of it is LJ is in the fifties. Then, <laughs> yeah. Then Haven disappears. Then you guys uh, in the contemporary now, Doctor Grace and LJ and um, Jacob Candle show up in Macon, Missouri. It's, it's a, place. a place. 
There's also t-shirts available. <laughs> Send us an email at the Gothic Podcast. I'm yep, there we go. Hey, well, you've got the make in Missouri, it's a place one. Hey, look, twinsies. Uh, look at that. Mm-hmm. Look at you guys. Yeah. We uh we have seen each other in three dimensional space for the first time since March, and it's it was um it was very strange. Uh, Sharon is shorter than I remember her being. Yeah, you're taller than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> On Zoom, you just make it big, so. yeah. Yeah. space. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the uh, then you guys do your investigations. You arrive in Macon, Missouri at night. Mm-hmm. You then um, investigate the next day, but by the next evening is when you actually go to the house yeah. and enter it, and then get transported into the book, into the fiction, um, where this sort of alternate reality is. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you begin living your lives as Grace Moreau, um, Laurie, and uh, Mr. Chauncey Candlewick. That's right. <laughs> By the way, we have a variety of uh, shirts right now that say different things, but uh, the most popular one among the cast so far has been, it's wearing Chauncey's hat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that <bastard. Because> I, <laughs> I just I just re-listened to that episode today uh, <laughs> where, like, Grace drops her sword, and I made, like, a meh, I want my sword. And then it was like, uh, Chauncey drops his hat, and all of us go, <gasps> <laughs> 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 It was like so much more serious. <laughs> so let, while we while we while we are on the topic of the hat, uh, the the hat turned out to be to be Chauncey Candlewick's dark master, and uh, although we edited that out, uh, I edited that out of some of the early episodes. But that was you guys that sort of made that happen because at at one point in one of the episodes, uh, because. Chauncey had been so attached to his hat. You were like, turns out that, you know, Chauncey's hat is his dark master or something like that. I don't even remember exactly it's, what it was. It's because I was making Frosty the Snowman jokes. And um, oh, yeah, oh, right. and right. I was I was like, you know, there must have been magic in the in the hat. And uh, but that was I mean, that we, we had a lot of hat talk in that the ghoul fight that didn't make it into the final cut of the episode. And I think that was part of that. So, and that yeah, was, there was real so, yeah. early. Yeah. Yeah, there was so much, uh, so much hat. Yeah. There early on, and so Bash much of cool. everything was after my Nathan hat. himself cursing things about his hat, about Chauncey's hat. Oh yeah, about the hat. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad we didn't um, make the uh, the joke about um, what's his face Lazarus Kane actually being a rooster earlier in the show because that would have been <laughs> that would have been funny to have that be a reveal. <laughs> yeah, I think that was that might have also been one that didn't make it into the final cut. There were all sorts of bloopers and and uh, <laughs> jokes and things that didn't quite make the episodes. I think that there was, was one episode in particular where I like cut out like forty minutes worth of us <laughs> just BSing. <laughs> well, I remember that recording session, and we were just all ridiculous. We we hadn't seen each other in like three weeks or something. We had taken a really long recording hiatus. And so, like, mm-hmm. uh, we recorded this episode, and we were just all like giggling helplessly for a straight half hour or something like Sharon means she was giggling helplessly for shut up (laughs) or spitting up beer yeah or knocking over wine or it's not an episode if I don't spill alcohol on myself (laughs) here's the thing though at the very beginning I mean I hope that this all feels like it all was intended from the very beginning what happened to Jesse 
he went away on the on the Zoom meeting, but as long as we don't bring it up, nobody will know. Okay. All right. Nobody will know. Nothing happened to Jesse. Uh, I hope that it felt like it was all intended from the very beginning, that it all was part of some great plot. <laughs> but honestly, when I, you know, had very first had the idea for this podcast, uh, my idea was that we were going to explore the the tropes of gothic literature. I just had this idea that we would be like, uh, mm. you know, Heathcliff upon the moors and, <laughs> you know, that you'd be exploring hey. some crumbling manner and you would all be playing yeah. the various tropes of the of these characters. And and then it turns out that uh, Sharon's Grace Moreau is really the only one that even kind of fits into that <laughs> while... While That's Nathan true. and Jesse both choose these wildly supernatural <laughs> uh, beings. And so Sharon and I were just talking the other day while we were seeing each other in three-dimensional space mm-hmm. that uh, we were curious about your thought processes on um, creating those characters. And so, Nathan, I mean, what were you thinking when you were designing Chauncey Candlewick? So it, it goes back to when you, uh, you first came and pitched the idea to me. Uh, at, at my at my wedding, mind you, um, you uh, which which wow. would, where you had been plying me with white Russians. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Patrick actually uh, married my wife and I. So woohoo! As the dude, yeah. That's a whole nother story. Whole nother story. Anyway, when you were pitching me that idea to me, I wasn't really too familiar with what Gothic was, um, and I had this like more of an aesthetic idea in my mind as opposed to like character tropes and uh so when mm-hmm. i was going through you're like we're gonna do this this uh game system called monster of the week and i was like well, i've never heard of that and uh you sold me on the whole thing and so i started looking into it and i i believe it was with you somehow i got a hold of like an old the old like the playlist and the first one that shows up was the monster like the the monstrous or whatever and uh i had this thought playing a bad guy Trying to be a good guy, but I wanted to have a, a more fun spin on it. And uh, I don't know where Chauncey actually came from. Like the idea, he just kind of, I don't know, was there, really. I just imagined this <laughs> this uh, supernatural being trying to overcome, you know. It's kind of like the Superman thing, where the Superman trope yeah. or whatever, where like he's got lots of power, but that's not the, the issues he has to overcome as a character. You know, it's not about... Oh, I have magic. Yes, he has magic, but it's more like the idea of an inner struggle. And I'd never played a character like that. And uh, I'd never played the system, so I was like, hell, let's roll the dice, which I got some sweet bone dice from Patrick. We all did. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just kind of how it, how it came to be. But no, it was all, it all centered around, the, it started with the top hat. It did start with the top hat. So I'm happy that it became I knew it. it. Did. <laughs> Gothic. <laughs> Oh, this man has a top hat. And I started like must have about, a top like, hat. Must have oh, yeah. got to have a top hat to be gothic. <laughs> Nathan walks into a uh, hot topic, and <laughs> the first thing he sees is a top hat, and goes, "This is going to be it." <laughs> this is it. So, I've so uh, there, there must have been some magic in that uh, that old silk hat. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take that uh, uh, dark gentleman sort of thing, the monkey Paul salesman, and just run with it. And- yeah. So want to see what a story would be like if you know you wanted to well what would a, somebody like that if they wanted to you know turn around and do right mm-hmm. do you feel that he made that uh transformation um yeah so 
there's a moment in my mind that keeps like stinging back to me. And the part where I hesitated and the chick got eaten by the tub. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> I felt the weight of that. I was that was like, an awesome Ooh. moment. I was like, that was great. And I, I carried that moment with it. And I, it was that, up until that point, I was like, he'll just be an asshole. He's an asshole. And now I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's some there's some weight there. Ah, oh, damn, I failed. And uh, I, I love that feeling so much. I just wanted to like run with it and experience it. And uh, yeah, and you guys know how it turned. Yeah, I, I, that comes across, I think, in that episode. It does. It really yeah. does. Um, it, it strikes me that, um, you know, as much as Patrick's been talking about, like, you know, you two guys ended up with these crazy supernatural entities that you're playing, like either one of you on your own could have played it really subtle and like thrown out hints here and there that you were not necessarily human hundred percent, but the two of you together were just such a crazy volatile combination that it couldn't help, but like be immediately obvious right away. Yeah. I, I agree. I didn't know he was doing the angel. To- yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was, it, it wasn't planned. Like if, um, if uh, Jesse and I were playing ordinary people, you could have played Chauncey in such a way that you did not reveal to us your nature immediately. Mm-hmm. But, but it was that combination, which, uh, and you know, ended up being so important in the finale. I, I think that's a big part of it. Him and I didn't know what we were going to do. And while I was like, oh, God, there's like the opposite of me suddenly in the same party. Not how I wanted to <laughs> yeah, play the literally. character, but totally how I should have played the character. I loved it. I was like, oh, this bastard. He's right there. He no, knows. it was great. <laughs> no, it worked. It was awesome. Okay, hold on. And Jesse's having to restart his uh, oh, wow. computer. So, yeah, take a break. And these things are true. <laughs> <laughs> we are still incapable of doing things simultaneously. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, okay, well, Jesse's back with us. We kind of got him caught up here. So, okay, Sharon, um, go with what, what you were just talking about so that we can we can play off of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of the background of that was that Patrick and I have been talking about expecting this to be a much more uh, subtle, more um, slow burn kind of game. And it ended up not being that. From what Nathan was describing from his conception of Chauncey originally... Chauncey was not intended to be so overt, no. but uh, I feel like Lori wasn't either. It was just the combination of you guys that brought each yeah. other's natures to the surface so dramatically. Oh, yeah, for and sure. So and I think a lot of that came out in... Uh, like immediately. Like the moment you guys like immediately. laid eyes on each other. Well, and even in some of the character creation, trying to figure out the different ways we were going to play off of each oh, other. Oh, that's true, um, yeah. And how we respond to each other. Uh, tried to take that into account uh, when dealing with Chauncey because, yeah, such uh, such a weird balance between the two. And, yeah, uh, it would have been a lot more fun to play lo- more low-key mm-hmm. early on and then let that build up. Um, but I loved I loved the way that Laurie and Chauncey reacted to each yeah. other. Yeah. It, it, and it, it, it's, very, it's very similar to the way that Jacob and LJ, you know, <laughs> yeah kind of reacted to each other as well which works canonically it makes a lot of sense it did oh yeah oh god it was so much fun and i like how yeah i like how grace was always like the middle ground and tried to keep it not that she had to do anything like really intense to keep the balance but she was there as a balance as a literature major it did end up working out very nicely because we had essentially representatives of heaven and hell and then the world represented by grace in mm-hmm. between. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, although I had a completely different conception for what was going to happen and how we were going to do it, you know, that exploring of the gothic tropes, I, I could probably not be more pleased with how it came out. <laughs> yeah. I really like how oh, yeah. it all ended up playing out and how you guys didn't know that you were going to end up being the same people with just different names. You just thought you had similar names for whatever you didn't. uh, I I actually would like to know what you thought was going to happen, but Jacob and LJ had that same animosity. And even in, in like the early episode, Sharon said the names may be different, but the (laughs) the hatred (laughs) remains. So much fun. I remember that. So much fun. As as soon as as soon as LJ came out with that in my 1981 Harley man, what else? <laughs> yeah. Jacob was like, I hate him. I, I, can't I hate him already. Man. Or yeah. Nathan himself. <laughs> Nathan himself was like, I hate him. I hate it, him already. Yeah, he said that. And then that makes Lori and uh, Chauncey make so much more sense. Oh yeah. yeah, so much sense. Because <laughs> they're um like you know if you're thinking about it this way, I know it wasn't originally conceived like this, but like they're almost like uh, hyperbolic versions of themselves, you know, playing out in this fantasy realm. Yeah, it worked out so good. And so I couldn't have been happier yeah. with how that was going either. And I mean, it, it could have gone other ways and still been good, but I think that just added a bit of a layering yeah. to it for a literature major like myself who, yeah. <laughs> who really likes those uh, parallels and the symbolism and the metaphors. And the, the curtains and are never that. just blue. Yeah, <laughs> they have meaning, and for sure. <laughs> when I first looked at the divine, there was a lot of other things that I wanted to play with. If it was a little bit more more low key and not as supernatural, out. So I mean, there, yeah, yeah, just to have like an odd, weird, quiet, looming guy person. <laughs> Where did you guys think things were going to be going? I mean, at the very beginning, when we first started all of this, I really didn't know for a very long time, up to and including like you know, finalizing my character design idea for the doctor, like, I still really was very, you know, kind of clueless about where everything was going to tie up. But, you know, I'm also the kind of person where, like, I prefer almost to, like, not think about it too hard and let the narrative bring me wherever it's going to bring me. So, like, me and my husband will watch a movie and he'll call out, like, in the first five minutes, like, whodunit or whatever. And I'm like, how do you know... (laughs) Because I that's just not how my brain works. <laughs> you're reading too much into it, and you're like that person or that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with this, it it I I kind of went into it the same way. I just I just as I created the characters Lori and LJ, I linked into their per- personas and just tried to let the world play as it would. Um, and the I love the way that it turned mm-hmm. out. The way that all of the characters interacted was a lot of fun. And so I had you guys early on. I said that we were going to be playing both in the gothic then and the contemporary now, and that yeah, yeah, we needed to create characters for both, and that they should have some aspect of their name should be echoed in the new character. Yep. But even then, I'll, honestly, I didn't quite know what I was going to be doing with that. That was actually one of my questions for you, Patrick. Was like, when did when did you figure out how these two time periods were going to connect? Like in your mind. So the house has long been a story idea of mine. Uh, I tried to start a couple of novels or a short story here and there with the house and Lazarus Kane, and it 
it's almost always been based on that uh, building, mm-hmm. this, uh, the old osteopathic hospital there in Macon. And I just always had these visions of this, uh, of the ads yeah. for the house. There's this like a drone circling, circling the house. And, and then there's this <laughs> voiceover. Jeff Bezos and Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, premise for that story was that some people were going to the house to stay, but at least one of them, their brother or sister or someone important to them, had gone missing there uh, the previous year. But they were coming now secretly to investigate what might have happened. And so uh, some of that carried over as soon as we started into the contemporary now. Um, Lazarus Kane as a character has been in my head for a very long time um, in that incarnation, not in the Gothic then incarnation of him. And I think that, um, that it started to come together when I realized that there was going to be a Lazarus Cain in both, and that you guys were going to be sharing your names. And although I didn't quite know how we were going to connect those up yet, they were going to connect. Um, and then I was listening to these again with um, with Kirsten, who was kind enough to uh, join us as a guest voice in the finale mm-hmm. to voice Isabella slash Haven Harrow. Thank you, Kristen. Yes, thank you so much, Kristen. <laughs> and that has made it. Yeah, I was very happy with how that came out. Um, <laughs> she hates hearing her voice, so she always uh, because she's also the credits girl. Yeah. She turns off the uh, episode when she gets to the credits, so she misses some of the stingers. <laughs> come after the credits sometimes. Oh, Kirsten, we love you. We thank you for the work that you've yeah, done for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In anticipation of this retrospective, uh, I was listening to those with her, and I kind of got excited. It's it's right there at like episode the numbered episode five. I think it's episode five. Uh, right before too many havens. It's the uh, very first contemporary now episode. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, Strange, uh, strange places, strange, strange faces. places, strange faces. Yeah. And I was telling her that as you guys get closer to the end of that episode, Jesse, uh, Jesse's character, LJ there is, is headed out on the motorcycle. LJ is going out on the motorcycle. And I knew that there was going to be a vanishing hitchhiker thing going on in that stretch, because originally I'd kind of planned for your time in uh, Macon, Missouri. It's a place <laughs> to be much longer and for you to do a lot of investigating of different, you know, monsters of the week there that would eventually yeah. lead you back to being tied into the house. <laughs> and and so that was just going to be one of them. Was this going to be this vanishing hitchhiker thing? Yeah. And LJ's out there on the bike and he and he gets to her and then Sharon has screwed up all of these roles back at the theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And and then so has Nathan <laughs> with with Jacob, and suddenly it's there. These char- these people that they are interacting with are all going to turn around, and they're all going to be Haven Harrow. <laughs> and at that moment, the rest of the primary plot started falling into place. That's great. Nice. I- yeah, that's where I was wondering where that turning point came for yeah. you. And also. And also, I mean, I love like the little things that you throw in and I want to, I just want to know how, how you came up with like each of those turning points. And also like, when did you decide LJ was going to the, you yeah, know, yeah. It's like, how did all of that fall into line? <laughs> well, yeah. LJ went to the fifties because 
you were the only one, Jesse, able to show up for that particular, <laughs> or no, you missed an episode. I did. You I missed, missed an episode. I missed another episode. Right. That's what it was. <laughs> and then um, you were able to record. And so I had to have something where it was just you. <laughs> and so, all right, we've got the vanishing hitchhiker, but what if it goes, what if it, what if it's got a bit of a twist to it? What if both the hitchhiker and the driver of the passing vehicle both vanish and go somewhere else? Gain all the <laughs> And then where would they go? Well, yeah. Yeah. Like we only do in flashbacks. Story-wise, the best thing to do would be a flashback, but for the continuation of the story that we had, the best thing was to do a flashback of Macon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I just want to say real quick, I love that the mo- the moment where you decided all three of them were going to be Haven was that that key of a moment. Because I think, like, you know, I'd been having fun with the with the gothic then and stuff, but that was the moment where, for me, I was like, oh my god, th- like, stuff's going down, things are getting serious, this is crazy, like, I was so invested. Like by that moment that I, I I really dig that that's that was also a key for you as well. Now ask me when I knew Isabella was Haven Harrow. <laughs> I knew something was up. Was with it her. like three episodes from the end? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was also pretty early on. Oh but, wow! Uh, it was it was after the um, that contemporary now episode, if I remember correctly, mm. because as soon as. Haven appears asking for help. She had to be somewhere. Yeah. And so where was she going to be? And then I suddenly realized how all of this was going to be, how I wanted, how I saw it, how I saw that end game. And good Lord, you do not want an end game to come to you that early in a monster of the week game because <laughs> right. holy mackerel that this game is not designed for you to have a plot in mind already (laughs) so okay so were there any times when we did something and you like thought that the whole thing was going to come crashing down and you were going to have to change what you were doing oh man things i thought everything was going to go much slower than what it did oh i thought that you guys would be spending a lot of time in the gothic then in castle bledson exploring the secrets after the the dinner you know roaming around finding your way to the the whole idea of the dweller in the basement and, and then this fucking angel's got to come along and <laughs> but then Lori everywhere with his freaking wings this this suit of armor pops out of the wall and Lori casts evil out of it and then Chauncey Candlewick is you know fighting bathtub zombie monster things yeah. <laughs> and well, and so those things watching. were happening because in part because of the podcast uh, format, because you would roll a six or less, which has dire consequences at the moment, and I had to come up with something <laughs> on the spur of that moment. Yeah. And I mean, we were back then, you know, trying Screw to it. you get hellhounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get hellhounds. Yeah. That's 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 the only thing I can think of at the moment. Yeah. Hellhounds, it is. But hellhounds were already um, seated in there because. Grace had looked That's out right. the balcony window and seen, uh, because we had to have somebody right. fleeing across the moors. Yeah, somebody has to flee across the moors at least once in every gothic form of <laughs> anything. I gender flipped it so that it wasn't, <laughs> you know, a poor innocent girl running across the moors. And in fact, our poor innocent girl turned out to be all, you know, not that and to have not the secrets that yeah. Chauncey thought she would have, but definitely secrets. 
He was suspicious about her the whole time. Sure. And then, well, so there was that point with uh, Isabella in the the curio shop. I forget where we were, but I was like, I was I was on to her. She was like not legit. And then uh, I rolled and I failed my investigation. So I was like, oh, she's she's on the level. I'll play with it like that. I'll just go with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember that happening, but of course, you you created that, by the way. You were sort of the impetus for, in, in the end, for Isabella being Haven, because at the dinner there at Castle Bledson, if you recall, I asked each of you what your connection was to one of the people who right. was at the table. I, di- I didn't know. She could have been so the lady in the bathtub. Chauncey says, I saw her earlier at this at this curio shop in town and she was messing around with things that that this young girl shouldn't have any reason messing around with mm-hmm. all the time that I'm dealing with Isabella I'm I'm thinking well what is it what was she what was she messing around with what what is she dealing with here and then it turned out to be uh at one point when she's with uh, Lori I think it is uh Lori's scaring her because as far as she can tell he's one of the monsters that that has hauled her into the dark and she reaches down to her the purse that she has hanging off of her belt. Oh man! And she feels for it, and she feels something, something there that gives her confidence. And you guys never followed up on that, really. Yeah. But but that's the pin that that she ends up with there in the end. Man, I totally missed over that. I just went back and re-listened yeah, to the whole I podcast. It a bit. <laughs> I have to go back and listen yeah. to it again. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty subtle, even in the episode. She reached down. Right. She reached down, puts her hand in the bag. Lori and says then, something, and then she takes her hand out. And, says, oh, okay. and she goes, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, what a good season. Now, in the contemporary now, again, it went a lot faster than I expected. You guys just, you know. Well, it went faster than I expected in some parts, and then a lot slower in others. And you guys would just, like, focus on something. And I'm like, why are you <laughs> focusing on this? This thing that has no bearing on anything. Well, we had to have a whole episode where we stared at ducks in a lake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys. Oh spent, yeah. You guys spent an entire episode just looking across the <laughs> lake at the house. The rifle. I remember being. I remember with the, with rifle, the rifle, scope, rifle scope. I remember being so frustrated when we were recording that because I couldn't figure out how to like I don't know make a Move decision. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of stuck doing like, okay, what would I do? Probably stare across a lake. You know, we were all fishing for information, but unfortunately, all that was in that lake was fish yeah. and geese. <laughs> you oh, could yes, have easily geese have that, that the geese that LJ, chased LJ. Right. God, there were so many times I almost shot like the deputy. Just so many times, <laughs> Mr. 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 Was it Mr. Beeler? I was like, no, no, you're going to die. Uh so yeah. many times. So Jacob and the deputy. Wow, I mean, all the stuff that went on there. That, that could have also been different things. Yeah. That he turns into Haven, and so that makes Nathan metagaming, thinking, okay, there's a whole bunch of these doppelgangers, and they're all taking on Haven's face, which was a perfectly legitimate um, you know, outcome. It's just not what I had in mind by yeah. that point. No. <laughs> yeah. I but, spent that whole thing paranoid. But it was when he, uh, when Chauncey, uh, sorry. I kept, I kept doing that through all the episodes, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when Jacob was in being interrogated, and he screws up some roles. And and so I was like, I, I've got to, there's got to be something here. And so 
when he tries to do CPR on the deputy and his hand just goes right through. I I knew at that point what all of that was going to be that he had been, that he was going to think that he had been followed from Texas, but there were definitely going to be doppelgangers. Mm -hmm. And we had to have, I mean, there had to be doppelgangers. We had to explore that aspect of Jacob's past. The scene where it's coming up onto the truck mutating like that was, that was glorious. It was good. (laughs) Oh yeah, it was like not like the this. end of so the good. end of that oh, episode was yeah, just the way you described it and everything was I like that. Yeah, what was that one, Sharon? You were talking about when we were recording and you you said if I was listening to this, oh yeah, if I was listening to this in the kitchen, this would be one of those podcasts where I would stop doing whatever I was doing and just listen raptly. <laughs> I don't remember was, what that was. I feel like oh, it was the price. Uh, oh, it the price was. to be paid. That's what it was because yeah. those types of moments in podcasts are what gets me. So, like, um, I've had times when I was out driving deliveries and had to stop the car because I felt like I couldn't focus on the road, or like, um, like I was saying, uh, if I was cooking and listening to a podcast, that's the point where I would have just like stopped and been just like staring at the phone because that that kind of moment when characters have to make those really hard decisions or are revealing something about themselves or something like that those kind of really deep character driven moments are are what really get me about uh podcasts so um that's that's what that was and that's one of the things i really like about the powered by the apocalypse um games is that they really encourage that sort of thing yeah it's only the monsters and things are generally kind of secondary <laughs> I, I know you probably couldn't tell that from our podcast here but but it really is about the character interactions and that's built into the rule mechanics yeah. those those um character connections that you start off with the histories that you have with one another mm-hmm. and then along the way when you're making um, decisions even about protecting someone like i thought it was a pretty even in a fight i thought it was a pretty big moment when chauncey leaps to protect someone the the mechanical move but protect someone when Lori's being attacked by the uh, croc man in the moat of Castle yeah. Hudson. And then uh, I don't remember what ex- exactly Chauncey did to the croc man, but it, that was a great moment. I, th- that, I think got his jaws in his hand and then like just oh, ripped them yeah, you know, apart. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But I, and then uh, that also just worked out beautifully because we had that episode where Lori's about to be attacked by the croc thing. And then we had a couple of weeks where we couldn't all get together and so we needed some flashbacks so we did the we did the Chauncey and the Lori flashback yeah to see why they had such a uh, had the relationship that they did and so that I felt I hoped made the moment where Chauncey decides to step in and and protect mm-hmm. Angel Boy um, <laughs> all that Angel much Boy. more poignant yeah. and and Chauncey's arc toward trying to become a good guy yeah. becomes more apparent too yeah yeah but oh, that was good but yeah a price a price to pay that was a good episode you guys didn't know that i was going to ask for your playbooks essentially oh, yeah. um in the midst of that episode and of course it didn't have to go that way you could have made different choices i'm glad you made the ones you yeah, made that was yeah. real. <laughs> narratively but i'm i am curious as to uh, what were you thinking when when it came down to you're not going to be able to feed the dweller unless you, Chauncey, and you, Lori, work together. And in working together, you're going to have to give up the things that make you essentially who you currently yeah. are. Oh, man. 
Yeah. I have I have to to admit for for Chauncey that a big part a big part of like the underlying feeling was the desire to get revenge against my hat. It was a source of my power <laughs> in the Dark Master, but I wanted her dead. I wanted her so dead. Chauncey's just so filled with rage. <laughs> Entire, I just it's, I wanted my my I will sweet revenge. Take you down with me. <laughs> when okay, like, here, it was here's so hard question. to let go of that. <laughs> That's amazing. For Nathan and for Patrick, who came up with the idea of the demon in the hat, and when did it come about? Because I know we didn't know for a long time, but it seemed like you guys had worked it out at some. Point. So I needed a dark master. In, in the monsters playbook, that was one of the the penalty for my, all my superpowers. You always like vampires had the thirst, you know, and stuff like that. For yeah. I, for Chauncey, his was he had a dark master he was trying to escape from. But um, exactly how that dark master came to be, I let I let Patrick run with that. He 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 ran hardcore with that. And when we did a little flashback thing, I was like, it, it came together so well that I was like, yes, this this is it. This is it. I liked that it was the. The, the, the crossroads bargain, too. I really dug that. So I knew it was going to be the hat at, at a certain point uh, after you guys made such a big deal yeah. about the hat. <laughs> the zombies it wearing the to, hat. Uh, it had to be. <laughs> I, I had initially thought of it as sort of a, as it just being the hat. That it was literally the hat, and that the hat had like occasionally would it, it would be like the sorting hat. It had a mouth and eyes and everything, and it it would occasionally wake up and just talk to Chauncey inside of his head. That'd be terrifying. And so that was my initial idea. And I guess uh, when we were doing the flashback episodes, uh, and we went back to how Chauncey became Chauncey, I suddenly had this imagery of of the hat. On like on the floor on the table, and then it ri- like rising up as something filled the space underneath it, and then became you know to wear the hat. It's wonderful, and and so that's how our little hat became a whole goddess, uh, a trickster goddess, essentially a goddess of the crossroads. And, and see, I was not aware that it was that that particular it was a Greek goddess, was it? Uh, of, of sorts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gave that power all to Patrick because I wanted to try to find a way to foil it as best as I could. I, I wanted to come up with something that I could like internally war against through the entirety of it. And man, I wanted, I wanted her dead so bad. <laughs> but and giving that up was like was tough. It was more tough than changing the playbook. Uh, giving up the desire for that animosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that you'd far more than giving up your immortality, um, that giving up the rage would be the thing that would that would be the most troublesome mm-hmm. for you, which is why it turned out being that mo- even more so than giving up your immortality. Mm-hmm. I felt like immortality, hmm, you know, some people might want to escape immortality after a while. But man, getting revenge against that, oh, God, that was the hardest to let go. Um, I actually did a lot of research on different trickster gods uh and to figure out which one it was going to be and i i really kind of thought that it was going to be the sort of stereotype i mean we'd started this whole thing doing tropes anyway but this uh stereotype trope of the southern gothic of the voodoo baron samity yeah that you make deals with and i really thought it was going to probably be end up being that but i kind of wanted it to be you know not quite as stereotyped. And so when I came across Eris, 
who came up with the idea of the competition between the other goddesses about who's going to be the the prettiest and and it, that all wound up leading to the uh, Trojan War. I got her as this trickster goddess, but also a goddess of war and uh, conflict. You know, she's really more of a goddess of conflict. She likes sowing discord. Right. Which makes sense, given, uh, given how, how Chauncey is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in the end, turns out to not be good or evil, but just heiress. Yeah. And I don't think we ever know her name in the season, but that's, spoiler, that's her. <laughs> well, what else do we have that we'd like to talk about about the season? Uh, this is our opportunity. Oh. We'll probably never get another chance. I, I have a I have a list for you guys. I have been keeping track in my oh. binge listen of oh. all the things, all the things Lori has smelled like. <laughs> <laughs> when they use their angel wings. So the first time Laura uses their angel wings, they smell like chamomile, uh, cardamom and cinnamon, cardamom and vanilla, chamomile and cinnamon, just cardamom, but intensely so, then cardamom and lace, and then cardboard and lace, and then in cardboard and lace again. And then the most recent one was cardamom and patchouli and cardboard and lace. So. Yes. Yes. A spicy I guy. loved it when uh, when Nathan misheard what I had said. Yeah, and um, you know went with cardboard and lace. Yeah. <laughs> you said what? <laughs> and it was just so brilliant because it's perfect for the for the smell of angels. Well, <laughs> Angel winging around. What angels smell like in that alternate realm? What can I say? <laughs> oh, that was one of my favorite moments of the the whole season. One was uh. That moment that we suddenly ended up in the angel realm in the, in the, in the heaven, and we're like, oh. oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> like, Just all ooh. awkwardly staring at them. It's like, um, <laughs> hi guys. Hello. That was so good. I was that caught me off guard. I'm like, back, so and funny. I brought friends. <laughs> a little awkward. I know I'm back late. Yeah, and again, that was one that happened because of the yeah. roles. Uh, one of the best parts of Monster of the Week. And one of the best adaptations of it is that on a seven to nine, those options that you get. Oh, yeah. And I think as written, it's supposed to be the the keeper, the game master comes up with a couple and then thinks of the one they want to do and then and then does that. But I so like having you choose among yeah. those three options. And I give mad props to Rev over at the Crit Show. Because that's where I first heard that being done with their Monster of the Week game. And it just, it's so hard to come up with those three things on the fly. Yeah. But it's so satisfying whenever Jesse would say, I hate you so much. <laughs> Damn you, Patrick, for making me choose. Yeah. <laughs> None of them. That One... None of them. I know. I hate them all. During the... Uh... But they're all successes. Yeah. During the one during the one battle where Lori's just like popping in and out all over the place, and you kept trying to send Lori down into town, and listening to it tonight, I was like, I bet he was trying to send Lori to Isabella, who was going to do some dramatic stuff, but it didn't work out that way. Yeah, I so. had to do a cutaway for Isabella yeah. in an episode where you guys had to go back and listen to the episode. To find, you didn't even yeah, get that to one. Find out on, what, what she was up to. But I had to get that set up over there yeah. where she was running around town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think that's one of the the best things so far about Monster of the Week. I played 
a ton of RPGs, but with Monster Week suddenly throwing those three choices, you like you know choo- yeah. choose your damnation, and uh, you're like oh. Yeah. Uh, it was critical sometimes, you know, there was, there was like, yeah. like, oh man, I don't know which one to go with. Like the bastards constantly after my hat. What the hell? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was one of the first times that that really happened too, is with the zombies, with the hat. I was like, well, okay, here's your choices. The hat's going to be on the floor behind two zombies. It's, one of the zombies is going to be wearing the hat. That was like one of the yeah. first moments of that and, and it was such a fun moment. Mm-hmm. It was great. Those bastards. And then and then different ones of them kept putting the hat on and he kept killing them. And then the one the last one ran <laughs> was away. Like, nope, that? here's your hat. I'm gone. That's like dark negotiator. <laughs> Zombie said nope. So I was I mean I chose Monster of the Week because I'd been listening to the Crit Show and I'd been listening to the Adventure Zone second season. Yeah. Where they uh, started um, using Monster of the Week, and so I bought it. And then Jesse was playing uh, in a game with me where we were doing the Scooby game, where everybody was uh, Scooby Doo characters, but it was in a time when ten years after the cartoons happened and all the apocalypses had happened, and so that was a lot of fun. And then I started playing it with Sharon, with the people that worked out at the winery. Yeah, and we were doing a ghost hunting. Uh, team going out investigating uh, ghostly supernatural sites, which we're going to have a little shout out to for the uh, Halloween episode. And so, I mean, it may not have been the best of all the indie role-playing games out there for the concept that I originally had, but I think it went, I I really like this game. I really like the the setup. So a couple of shout outs, first of all, to uh, Vincent and McGay Baker for um, Apocalypse World, which is the uh, original of all of this, the granddaddy of the Apocalypse World games, <laughs> and to Michael Sands for making Monster of the Week a hack of Apocalypse World, which made all of this possible for us. Uh, if I may do a couple of shout outs too, I wanted to shout out um, Alexander Chi and his novel, The Queen of the Night who partially inspired um, Appa Grace. And then uh, the other inspiration for her was Shauna McGuire and her wonderful series, uh, Encrypted, um, who inspired the um, the monster hunting organization that Grace belonged to. Cool. Yeah, I liked Grace's flashback, uh, too. Yeah. And, and in fact, uh, Kirsten was uh, wondering why we didn't have more Grace flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have that one, but I don't think it ever went up on the feed. Nope. Yeah, no, there's the one where it's a Grace and Lori, kind of a sequel to The Plague Doctors. Yeah. And maybe we'll get that out on the uh, Patreon at some point. That was a fun one. It was a good episode. I just have not ever had the time to go in and and edit it since it was a separate thing from the regular recordings. Yep. Anybody else got any shout outs they want to do here toward the end of our retrospective? Mm. Um, Of course, as always, to our wonderful host keeper, uh, Patrick. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and Sharon and Nathan, it's been so much fun playing with you. Uh, thanks For to real. some of the other behind the scenes people, as in Kirsten, uh, yeah. we mentioned you earlier. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun, and looking forward to more. Oh, also a big shout out to uh, Jared George Art, who uh, did our logos. Yeah, really cool, really cool. And also to uh, Zoe Hovland, yes. who uh, designed our theme music. Uh, for the show. 
Alrighty, well, um, the Gothic podcast is not over. We've just finished season one. And so stay tuned to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and, you know, all the classic podcast stuff. Give us a comment. Give us a like. Recommend us to somebody. Oh, yes, that's how for the love of spread. all that's good and right in the world. You know, like, Please. I, I don't know that I listen to podcasts that haven't been verbally recommended to me by somebody. So, you know. Please. Yeah, so please, um, you know, rate and review. Uh, tell your friends if you like it. And, you know, hey, we like hearing from you as well. Yeah. So uh, drop us a line on Twitter. And our website is gothicpodcast.com or directly emailing us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. And we will respond because we want to hear Definitely. from you. Yeah, please. I mean, don't send us, don't send us spam and, you know, junk spam. <laughs> we won't respond to that. Funny. If I can laugh at it, yeah. it's funny. I, I do something for laugh. But then Sharon will respond yeah, to it. Right. I'll, I'll respond. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Looking forward to season two. Oh, so much. Definitely Good looking ideas. forward to so season excited. two. Good I'm ideas. so excited. As always, yeah, thank uh, you for too. listening out there. Awesome. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank you, Sojourners, for joining us in the dark uh, for these past 22-ish episodes. And please join us again wherever you get your podcasts for season two. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, dude. Happy Halloween, dude. The Gothic Podcast is produced by C. Patrick Nagel with theme music by Zoe Hovland and cover artwork by Jared George Art. Listen to The Gothic Podcast on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow The Gothic Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or email us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. Support for the Gothic Podcast comes from you, our listeners, so please visit our Patreon page. Thanks.